You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro from Sassman Securities in Johannesburg. David, before we get to the markets, I have to tell you, I was watching some channel this morning, some news channel, and um, Mm -hmm. flashed up the headline that said South Africa to join China and Russia in naval naval exercises. And I thought, okay, that's cozying up a little bit. First of all, I was worried that uh, they wouldn't be quite as skillful as the Russians and Chinese. But then later on in the day, I saw that Sergei Lavrov was in Pretoria at the Union Buildings. And this is a global thug. This is a murderer. He's the closest man to Putin. And I think Ramaphosa must be careful because otherwise South Africa might be looked at by the West, by NATO, and say, "Okay, wait a second, you're doing this. You're almost (laughs) breaking sanctions. You might get ostracized and um, have sanctions hit upon you. And certain sanctions can't be filled by Russia and yeah. um, and China. I don't know. I know there's been a historic relationship between EANC and South Africa and Russia, but that was a long time yeah. ago. What do you make of it? Well, uh, it just highlights exactly who we are. I think the first thing, don't worry about naval exercises because I don't even think we've got a navy. I have no doubt we've already sold our, our ships. We've sold our arms. I don't even know if we've got an air force. So I don't know if, uh, if we do have an army or... Uh, defense forces that exist but i think that don't think it goes unnoticed and um yeah you know where diplomatically i think diplomatically channels are kept open because south africa is you know yellen's trying to woo south africa or south africa so i think i think countries will keep their channels open but i think where it comes to business people and actually doing deals um, it scares people away. And I think all we, all we do, South Africa, if you wanted to um, describe them or characterize them, um, I always remember um, you know, an expression that was used about South African uh, attracting business. You know, we always attract people in shiny suits, in other words, dodgy people. Mm-hmm. And that's who we are. You know, uh, I think it was Peter Bruce's expression. So I, I, I read that in the same light that you did. I just could not believe that we go down that path. You know, we try, we try to go to Davos and we try to go to all these forums, the G7s and the G20s, and well, we G20, you know. Hmm. But at the end of the day, um, I think they must be treating us with great suspicion and, uh, you know, keeping arms linked. And and uh, the whole thing is that you know uh, Ramaphosa or South Africa said um, said that we want to intervene, we want to be there to try and negotiate peace. Well, hello, you know you're down the line. Um, they haven't made one inch of progress, you know, in doing that. So I I, I don't know. I just think South Africa is becoming a non-nation. I just don't think we anything. I don't think we represent anything. And if I'm going on a little, believe me, it's simply because I'm here. When I think about 94, you know, when uh, Mandela took over, when I think about the joy that, that, that captured us then and where we are today, how we've gone a long way in the wrong direction. Yeah. Really, really down in every respect. Would you say that behind so, the yeah. scenes you get uh-huh. somebody, a Biden representative, maybe their secretary of state uh-huh. or something like that, phones up? Ramaphosa and says, 
what on earth is going on? Do you think that Rishi Sunak or Olaf Scholz would phone up and say, just be very yeah. careful here? Do you think behind the scenes that's what's going on? Well, I, I'm sure they're negotiations, but I don't think they've got the brain, brain power to even recognise what's happening. You know, I just think South Africa and the ANC government is just a, a lot of empty barrels. I don't think there's one person that stands out as a diplomat, as a person who is worldly and understands, uh, you know, world opinion and, and has any idea of how to build this country up. And, and, and uh, Lindsay, we're broken. This country is absolutely broken. Um, and sitting now, as I look out the streets, you know, we're out for a second time today, another two hours. Yes. Uh, we were supposed to go down to stage something or other, I don't know, you know, up a notch or, or down a notch, whatever it is, but some other, some other facility broke down and so on. So um, I'm, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's a nation that's just completely disintegrated and, and, um, our infrastructure, just there, there is no police system, there is no electricity, you know, the water problems that are coming now because of the load shedding. Um, I, there was an article which really horrified me about the farmers, I think, in the Northern Cape, yeah. or um, whose who's, um, wheat crop you know, is set to fail because conditions have been very dry, but they rely on irrigation. And they can't irrigate simply because they've got no electricity. And, hmm. and, and I, I'm going through reports at the moment, um, business reports and various other reports, about the cost of actually installing alternative in energy. In other words, putting um, what, you know, basically solar power in shopping centers and things like that. It's enormous, man. And it's an enormous burden on not only the businesses but – companies as well so to to i know i've been going on but but no, I, I, it's I just, perfectly relevant country, mm. you know we're a country that just doesn't know where we're going we've got no idea um and, and, and when I you talk about critical i just mm. i shake my head and just not in disgust but in dismay when you talk about when we talk about load shedding, um, my sound engineer or something will phone up and say, "Get this uh, interview over quick because we're we've got a, a power yeah. outage." Okay, that's that, that's one thing, and also other people are saying, "Well, I've got to go home now, and I can't cook dinner, and I can't watch telly, and all that sort of thing." But what you said about the wheat farmers makes you realise the multi-layered facets of a power cut or load shedding, as you call it. It affects mm. the whole country, whether you're rich or poor, yeah. or a business yeah. or a, an individual, whatever it is. Yeah. And, and you know what happens? We've been saying uh, there, are, there must be numerous businesses, hairdressers, restaurants, you know, that, that suffered during, load, during sorry, COVID lockdown, you know, and probably just getting over it. Now I have to face this. Just think, you know, just think of a Saturday morning hairdresser, you know, without power. Yeah. <laughs> Your busiest time. Um, people come in there to have their hairs, uh, you know, blow dried or for the Saturday evening party, whatever they're going or going out. You know, it's, a, it's common. It's a very busy time. Where, but you've got no power. You can't do anything. You know, you lose enormous amounts. I'm just giving a very small example. Or if you go into one of these places and you want a cup of coffee and they'll say, sorry, can't give you coffee, no electricity, hmm. uh, and so on. You know, toasted cheese, sorry, toaster's out, you know. Can you make chip? Yes, they've got gas and so on. But it is it is so far-reaching. We haven't – and that's I, – I just 
as I talk to you, I, I've been I've been going through that because I'm looking at our market and it is just screaming higher, mm. you know, completely oblivious or brushing aside um, the impact of this that might have. Now, just to, just to get my thinking going as well, just think of a farmer or a business that uh, that goes in. Who takes the knock? The banks. You know, it's the banks that eventually have to carry these people once more. And um, I, I, I think uh, the one segment of the market that's going up uh, through the roof today is banks. Yeah, I saw Nedcore <laughs> coming out the blocks quite uh, smartly yeah. this morning. Yes, and still up today. So explain ne- that. Nearly 3%. You know? Yeah. Oh. So try and explain that. I don't think we factored in what the consequences or outcome of this massive load shedding is going to have on us. Um, I think that, that load shedding probably we've, you know, we're in the first few months of this year, I think we're probably more than we were in, I don't know, 21, et cetera. It's been absolutely ghastly. Okay. And, and everybody is running. You know, whoever you speak to now is all they talk about in social conversation is where to get solar power, what's the good of solar power, what's the best way. Because you know why, Lindsay? Generators now are unaffordable. You can't, you can't keep feeding them. Uh, for the length, you know, for the time that they're out now with diesel or petrol, it's just massively, massively costly. So these these huge gas guzzling uh, generators that buildings have, which were probably installed to save an hour or two a day, maybe you know, every now and then, uh, are now running full time and never designed for that, and just hugely costly for 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 private individuals as well, you know, as well as buildings. Hmm. That's very interesting points you make about the banks and who carries the can when people hmm. go under the hairdresser, the farmer, whoever it is. What happens? They default on their loans, of course, because most businesses yeah. do have a loan, unless they're yeah. real micro businesses or a mom and pop store or something like that. Okay, yeah. David, you always read a lot over the weekend in between football matches. So please tell me about the Economist and the Financial Times. <laughs> Did you pick up anything juicy? I think the one in the Economist was the story that we've been talking about now. And where I, what, what I love about The Economist is that they're able to uh, capture um, the essence of what's happening to South Africa in, no, in, a, in a very short article, yes. very readable. Uh, and, and to me, that was, you know, when I say the highlight, it's not a highlight, it's a low lot, lot about, um, and they spoke about Africa, you know, how Africa has gone the way of believing that uh, the state must control what are that developmental uh, nation, you know, yes, and uh, just how wrong it has gone. And South Africa is a prime example because uh, they just highlight how at the turn of the century, you know, in 1999, 2000, how we were so proud of, uh, of Eskom and what's happened to it today, you know, how it's been totally destroyed. Um, you talk about, um, you talk about uh, Transnet as well. And just you know how how it's affected GDP and and operating out and I can't remember forty percent of capacity or maybe sixty percent of its capacity you know that it should at a time when the economy is growing. So um, it's 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 those institutions they are they are the backbone 
or the structure of an economy. Without them, you cannot grow. Are they uh, sort of objective about this or are they genuinely disparaging about Africa and South Africa? Oh, oh, disparaging. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, just about the model. Yeah. Yeah. and uh, how do we ever get it right? You know, you've, got, you've got the same team running, the same team who has taken South Africa down to this very low point, still in charge. Now the objective is the election 2024, where the ANC want to maintain their leadership. So that's where all the, um, you know, that's where the focus will be, yes, rather than saying, listen, we've got to get this country right. You can't, you can't actually replace people unless there's the skills to replace mm. them with. I don't know how exciting it is for a young person coming out of school or university, whatever, to say, okay, I'm going to be a politician. So the conveyor belt has stopped. There's no succession plans, whereas in no. the developed world, you know, some people want to do that. I can't think of anything worse no. than having to get no. up every day and work for 14 hours uh, solving problems. Know. But some people like it. I, but I we haven't got them. That, you need that old-fashioned civil servant you know, who wants to do something for the country and, uh, who, you know, who wants. We've got a few, we've got a few councillors in, in Johannesburg who work tirelessly, who are working tirelessly to turn things around. The problem is that uh, they're faced with opposition. You know, there are people on the sidelines who instead of one of joining them simply because they DA councillors, you know, opposition councillors, or, or it is uh, the mayor is still DA, they just they they just want to see them replaced, and uh, it, it's just the sadness of, of of politics here at the moment. That's the focus. I I um, it's uh, you know it's a very tragic to see what's happened to us, and and I'm I'm you know businesses are resilient. They keep fighting back, but there's so much that they can do. You know, there's just so much. Um, I think at the moment what's happening, Lindsay, is that. Um, all the narrative that you read or the commentary is all, oh, emerging markets, you know. Oh, you've got to go for emerging markets out of the U.S. into Europe and emerging markets. And at the bottom of the uh, – somewhere down there in the emerging market interest, um, um, index is South Africa, you know, yeah. who once they kicked out <laughs> Russia. So I, th- I think we're just seeing this money uh, coming to South Africa simply as being part of – uh, you know, we, we linked with China, we linked with all other emerging markets, which are at the current flavor. And I think this is just giving us a lift because retailers, <laughs> retailers up, everything's up today. Well, Mr. Price has had a bit of a torrid time, but um, yeah, I see what yeah. you mean. It's the precise antithesis of what's going on in the country that I live in mm. at the moment, uh, because my favourite wine shop and wine bar, a place, an establishment that combines the two, used to be open seven days a week. It's now only open four days a week, and that's simply because all the staff that were there before lockdowns have disappeared. They've vanished into thin air, so they can't find anyone to serve in the shop. And also, you watch Dutch TV and the state-owned railway system, which is very good, I might add, they're advertising for conductors, a big glossy ad, and you see this nice-looking woman smiling at all the you know, the, the passengers are clicking their tickets and checking their tickets and everything. They can't find people to work, whereas in South Africa, it's the opposite. There aren't any jobs for people to fill. <laughs> We've got plenty of people here. Yeah, I know, but there's you know, no vacancies. That, that, that's the irony. I mean, uh, yeah, there's here it's the the complete opposite. I mean, 
It's uh, it's, it's it's pretty sad. Mm. But um, you know, I, we here. But you're still shining, there. I don't think that's really. Yeah, I don't think there's that that that's really uh, an alternative. But I mean, it's it's uh, you know, one worries about uh, where do, you know how how low do we go? And I think um, there's no doubt that um, every young family now is, is finally being pushed into um, you know looking for somewhere else to live, whether it's New Zealand, whether it's the Gold Coast in Australia, whether it's the UK, Amsterdam, your area, you know, your yeah. area is a very big catchment point, London, the UK. Um, I think a lot of those economies for the point that you're bringing up now have started to open to skilled workers. Uh, US still difficult to get into, but Canada, you know, open for business. So, uh, and, and we lose the skills. You know, we're losing, um, we, we, we continue to lose uh, the skills. And it doesn't show, or, you know, it, it might not show yet, but it's those doctors and all other skilled people that you're going to need. I, yeah, I, Lindsay, you know, it's it's I'm I'm I don't know where, how far revolution is away, you know, whether or whether there e- ever will be. But there's no doubt you saw it in China with lockdown. You know, a country like as authoritative as that, um, where people were pushed to a point where they exploded. And I think on load shedding, we're getting to that point. We're absolutely getting to this point. Look in Israel, a hundred thousand people marched against the, uh, you know, to these these changes they want to make to the judiciary. Uh, um, so judiciary is J U D, not J E W. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I'm quite amazed at how uh-huh. Bibi, in other words, Netanyahu, keeps on bouncing back Ooh. and keeps on. What's oy, your? Oy, oy. You don't like him? No. no, no. And and he's got the right wing religious parties, which are you know, they just make me shudder. So um, yeah, it's very very right wing. And but but what what is pleasing is that that people are you know are standing up against this yes, and good. rejecting it. And he's got to take notice of that. But um, you know, the point is that that people are now starting to become more vocal, and and here. You can pick it up in WhatsApp groups and just people are really at a point of, of exploding. And Ramaphosa is silent. You don't hear from him. You don't see him. I can't remember the last time he got in television and spoke to the nation. You know, he hid away from Davos. He didn't want to go there. And he's hiding away. He's hiding away from questions. Mm. You know, people, he doesn't want to be questioned on where he is and what's happening. So, which is also, you know, that's democracy and people are getting very, very angry. And so they should. David, um, the market's very mm-hmm. quiet. I mean, the, the indices are doing yep. well, but no corporate news. And the same in the United States when it comes to economic data. But we're in the middle of earnings season in the States. What have you thought about uh-huh. it so far? It's, it's been, you know, the market's been okay. Um, there was bound to be some kind of fallback. Um, but we haven't seen, you know, we're waiting for some of the big ones to come through now. Uh, we certainly want to look at, um, at, at, at the tech companies. They might be preempting their results by, um, talking about laying off a lot of people, you know, admitting that during the, the heady times where everything was going right, that they, you know, they were a bit reckless with their spending and now have to allocate capital a lot more carefully simply because it's money starting to cost, cost something. But I think we're going to go through, you know, I'm waiting for some, we're going to see quite a bit uh, this week 
Um, I'm, I'm just trying to get a list of what will come out, but there are a number of businesses that will come and give us some idea of where the market is. But I, I must say that the markets are, you know, they're holding up pretty tight. Yeah. Um, you know, even as I look now, uh, after an incredible Friday where the market went, um, you know, where, where S&P and, and NASDAQ were very strong, I think this morning they steady, you know, with a, with about a half an hour, with a few minutes to opening, the futures are still, they haven't fallen back. They're still holding up. So I, market very, very oversold. And I think, I think a lot of fund managers light on, on equities or light on U.S. equities, and they might be forced to rush in and increase that uh, exposure. Yeah, and don't forget Friday you had been preceded, I think, by, well, in, in the week itself, four clear down mm. days on all the major indices mm. in the United States. So I think it was mm-hmm. you know, people just saying, okay, that's enough now. I'm going to cover my shorts yeah. or I'm going to initiate yeah. new positions, something like that. Okay, David. I think so. Yeah, it's, I, just, I, I, it I just have like to that. reiterate. Mm. Yeah, I'm not... I'm not, I don't think this is going to be a blowout year and, you know, we're going to see 20% gains or anything. I think the markets are up, you know, it's, it's, but what I'm happy about is that we're not seeing that, uh, uh, that train smash that everybody was predicting, you know, the economic train smash that, uh, everyone was talking about in December. You know, don't, don't go into the market January, February, you're going to start to see and, and, and started to forecast things that we already knew, you know, we know. Things are slowing down. We knew that there was going to be a recession. And I think so I, I'm quite satisfied by the kind of trend that we're seeing now, which is just plodding along, trying to ratchet a little higher. Just talking about things slowing down, there was a figure out last night from the United States. Existing home sales plunged mm. to their lowest level since 2010. Mm. That's quite significant. That's a 13-year mm. low for yep. existing home sales. Yep. I mean, that, that's a big commitment, of course. And people are saying, well, I'm not quite sure if, if um, interest rates yeah. are going to yeah. stabilise here yeah. and then fall. So we're not quite ready yet. Or it just means no, but that's we, we a can't strong message it. to the Fed. Mm. That's a strong message to the Fed. You know, uh, where you start going into a slump of that nature, and I, you know, yes, I, I picked that up, you know, home sales. Then it's a worry because there's a lot of industries around it. Um, inflation can come down dramatically as a result of that. You know, everyone's worried about wage inflation, which, which I don't think has been as sticky as, as, as everyone thought it would be. In fact, it's, I don't think it's sticky at all. But, I mean, when you look at durable goods, you know, they've absolutely plunged. And, uh, you know, things like, I don't know how, how much home sales comes into the inflation factor. I don't know if it says it's more the interest rate, but I think these are things that are, that must have the Fed saying, hold on, let's, let's see the data. You know, have we pushed a little too far? Um, so yeah, I, I think those are important numbers that the Fed has to take, uh, you know, be aware of. The, the consumers held up well, but I think that, that I watch those very, very carefully. You know? Hmm. David, before we get on to weightier matters, i.e. football, let's talk about China. There are going to be two mm, billion mm. journeys undertaken in the next two weeks yeah. for the Lulia. I mean, two billion people going to and fro oh, across no, the oh, country no. and everything. Aeroplanes, buses, yeah. high-speed trains, commuter mm. trains, that sort of thing, which is a staggering number. There's no way that they're going to get away with nothing else but a super-spreading event. Totally. I think that's why people on the outside are cautious of allowing the Chinese in and, and you know, correctly uh, asking them to be tested or vaccinated and so on. Uh, I don't know what the consequences are, but I think 
you know, they pass on red red envelopes to it's it's a tradition to give a your family and friends red envelopes. I, you know, I'm a, yes. which are presents. But um, I I think that it has been the big turnaround factor in markets at the moment. Uh, the fact that you know China is will be spending. My point of view is to play it from the consumption side mm-hmm. rather than infrastructure. You know, Xi needs uh, Xi Jinping. I think. Uh, he was wrong-footed by the protests. He was wrong-footed by how far the economy had fallen back. And I think he needs, you know, they're working to, to turn it around. Um, but I think it's going to be more on the consumer and consumption side, maybe even on the property side, than, than building roads to nowhere. So yeah. I still think that, 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 that you know, if you, if you do want to play it, play it through, you know, where, where, where's China going to spend, you know, Mm. It's uh, it's propped the market up. You know, it was a big turnaround factor. Apart from inflation falling, I think that was uh, you know even a bigger stimulus to to the kind of gains that we've seen early on in the year. Right, so David, that's the markets and economies out of the way, <laughs> and politics as well. Let me try and describe how sick I am. Yesterday morning, I decided to take myself off to the beach, despite the fact it was like minus one or something and that didn't last long but it was a nice <laughs> nice bit of fresh air walking along some windswept dutch beach and uh, watching hardy fishermen casting their rods and all that sort of stuff but then i got home and i got myself ready and made myself a lovely lunch and i sat down at 2 30 my time fire nord versus ajax in what is arguably the most fierce rivalry in European football. And I'll tell you the story one day about the deaths and the bombs and everything that goes on between, (laughs) went on between the two in the 1990s. That was good fun. Unfortunately, half an hour later, that game was interrupted by Man City versus Wolves. So I was flicking between the channels, Erling Haaland scoring his fifth hat-trick, which was superb. He's a machine, he's a beast, he's a Viking plunderer. Then, Uh (laughs) and then, and then the big one, Arsenal versus Manchester United, which we'll come to in a second. And after that, I switched over to Barcelona versus Getafe. And nine o'clock my time, it was (laughs) Athletic Club Bilbao versus Real Madrid. That's the state of my addiction to football. (laughs) How stupid is that? I know, it's fantastic. Um, David, Arsenal Man United was the best game of the season so far. And Arsenal, I don't see who can stop them. Well... you know what? That, when when you say it was the best game in the season, they they when you look at um, Chelsea, when I looked at Spurs, mm. you know, over the weekend, and our Spurs are playing Fulham, but I mean, overall, um, the quality of football that we're seeing there is so inferior to what I think the top three clubs are at the moment, which is Man City, Man United, and Arsenal. Yeah. You know, all credit to Man United. I think Man City. Slightly, I know. I know they pulverised Wolves, you know, uh, yesterday, and but but they still, I think, a little off where they were last season or the seasons before. There's just something lacking in their game. They've got Haaland, admittedly, but I mean, um, that's why I was so nervous for the game between Arsenal and Man United. I think they, they've really been playing well, and I think uh, Ting Hag is is a superb manager. He's cold as ice, and he sits there and that. But uh, I think a very, very good tactician. Uh, Arsenal have just got youngsters who don't give up. Mm. And I must admit, when, when Arsenal went down, I had my head under the pillow, turned it off, I'm not watching. You know, when they <laughs> equalised, started to watch game, you know, and then went up 2-1, happy. 
went too old. No, I'm not watching again. <laughs> and uh, and uh, just fearful that that you know they could blow it. But uh, credit to them. And I like I like the acquisition. What's his name? Tussard. Two, two, two yeah, Tussard. from from um, yes, what's his name? Yeah, Tussard. You know, yeah from Tussard, yeah, yeah. A, They only paid thirty yeah, million or something for him, which sounds a lot. But no, it's, twenty million odd or something. No, yeah. it was nothing. And uh, he's a good player. He's a Belgium centre forward or Belgium wing. I don't know where he. But uh, also, you know, runs with the ball, which is great. Yeah. Um, sure. I, I saw Murdike, Mordike, whatever his name is, uh, trying to play for Chelsea. But, you know, you can only bring out the best of those players if you've got a team that supports him, you know, sure. that's going to give him the through ball and going to create the spaces. And uh, he would have been, you know, that's the worry about Chelsea, that pedestrian, the, I don't know. Mm. But, anyway, uh, who yeah. cares about but, Chelsea? Uh, the sad thing about that um, Ukrainian fellow that you just mentioned is that he was on the verge of signing with Arsenal. Yeah. And then suddenly Chelsea came in and hijacked and probably yeah. said, OK, yeah. we'll give you 500000 a week, not four fifty. And he probably said yes. But he looks a, a remarkable prospect. And as you say, in the yes. right team, yes. he should be at Barcelona or yeah. Arsenal or City or something like that. Yeah. Make a big difference, you know. So you can get a great player, but not given the right support, you know, not not uh, given the right kind of movement. Yeah, you just become a nothing. Okay, David. So, yeah, I, it's it's. Um, I must say, as an Arsenal supporter, to see them with fifty points in nineteen games, it's uh, it's it's far better than you know, way way better than we thought at the beginning of the season. And they've held up. And I think it's. Um, the, the captain, no, uh, I, can't, I can't pronounce his name. Ostad, what's it? Uh, <laughs> I don't know which one it is. It's not Odegaard, is it? No, he's not the captain. No, no, no. Odegaard, yeah, Odegaard. Sorry, oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, Odegaard. Hmm. Yeah, as an Arsenal man, I, I can recognise him. I can't pronounce him. Yeah. Anyway, right. yeah. I think he's he's made a big difference. Yeah, massive difference. Well, as is my habit, I, I will be watching Fulham versus Tottenham tonight. And um, yes, of course, yeah, I've got to keep this up. Um, <laughs> and we'll speak tomorrow on the five o'clock shadow. Okay, David, thank you very much for your time. David Shapiro is from Sassman Securities, and that was Shapiro World. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.